Hey, 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 Picking Bones Tuesday of Thanksgiving week. A lot to be thankful for here on my end, and uh, I'm sure if everyone looks hard enough, they can find quite a few things that they should be thankful for as well. And um, right now, I'm just really, really thankful when it comes to uh, hunting. I'm really thankful for uh, that doe that I shot back in uh, October, late October, because it has been some tough hunting here on my end. Um, so this is my latest hunt update. It's going to include my uh, annual rut trip and what all went down with that. And uh, also going to be talking about, you know, uh, some of the other hunts that I've done since then and, uh, you know, what's what's coming up in the near future. So uh, just got done recording a podcast with Chris Dyer. That's going to come out this coming Friday, and I truly mean it. Chris is one of the very best whitetail hunters that I know. You uh, listeners that have been with me since day one will have uh, heard Chris clear back. I think it was episode number eight. Um, and uh, just a whitetail hunting masterclass that he offered back then. So uh, if you want to go through the clumsy audio problems and and <clears throat> me as a you know, nervous new host on this podcast. Uh, if you want to brave all that, you can go back to episode number eight and just enjoy the great quality content that comes from Chris back then. That was back in 2020. And um, if, uh, if uh, you enjoy that, you can also go back to like, uh, I guess it'd be March time frame of 2023 when I had Chris on here to talk about this incredible match set of sheds that he found took second place at the Iowa Deer Classic this year with uh, those sheds, and um, you can you can hear from Chris then. Uh, but that latest episode will air this coming Friday, and it is so timely because if you are like me, you still got your buck tag in your pocket. You're still trying to get her done, and. Um, I know this time of year is just, it's hard to compare one state to the next because gun seasons have opened up all over the Midwest, all over whitetail country. And um, it, that is not the case here in Iowa. Um, something I'm actually very thankful for is uh, we do not have a gun season anywhere near the rut. Um and you might be thinking, why, why, why do you not like that? Well, it's just nice for making it a little bit tougher to get to those, uh, you know, majestic, mature, uh, dream age class bucks that we all love and want. And um, I just think that that uh, when you have a gun season that goes on during the rut, it just makes it easier to kill those bucks and uh, you don't have as many of them running around. So um, it's still archery season now, but that's coming to an end here in uh, about 10 or 11 days, uh, more or less. And uh, so, it, you know, it's, it's kind of like, well, what do you do for this time of year if you still have a buck tag to fill? you know, an archery buck tag, what, what are your options? 
And it's honestly, it's kind of hard to answer that. And something that gives me a little bit of anxiety is I really, really, really want to tag a buck with my bow this year. Um, but Chris really helped uh, walk me through that. And so that's coming this Friday. I think it'll be timely advice for everyone. And there's just a ton of other just great deer hunting knowledge and stories that are included in that. Um, just a, a master class, again, on whitetail hunting coming from my guest, Chris Dyer. So uh, look forward to tuning into that. But for this one, I'm going to give you a hunt update. And so I think since the last time I talked about uh, what was going on, I think I told you about the doe that I had harvested on October 28th. Super thankful for that. That was, um, actually, no, that might have been October 29th, one of the two. Um, that was in the, you know, obviously the days just leading up to uh, Halloween. And we had this awesome cold front that rolled in, um, just had deer up on their feet, and uh, just just a really awesome time. But since then, things have warmed up in the deer woods and have really been uh, kind of a damper on the rut this year. Um, obviously there's still a ton of rut activity going on. Um, but a lot of times, um, you know, those of us that like to hunt the rut, we're looking forward to those all day sits because action can literally be going on all day long, you know, and, uh, that just really hasn't been as much. So the case this year, because it's, you know, during the day, middle of the day, it's getting up to almost 70 degrees. And those bucks we talk about all the time and does, they have on their winter coats that are built for sur surviving sub-zero weather. And uh, they don't want to be out in the 70-degree weather. So they're kind of bedding down during the day, uh, cutting down on some of that that uh, precious, precious daylight activity that we need as hunters to be able to get a crack at at a nice buck. So, uh, I've been feeling that for one, uh, the weather has not been great for, for the rut, but, uh, I did do a rut trip, um, with my friend, Tony. We had a lot of fun on that. Um, I had some good opportunities there. I had a buck that I uh, released an arrow on, but I hit a branch and, um, you know, didn't hit the buck or anything like that. Thankfully, you know, no, no wounded animal or anything, but, but it was nice to be able to be in position to draw and release an arrow. Um, I think that's almost kind of a milestone in a season is like, you know, there's all these different ways that we can quantify how our season goes. And one of those statistics that we could look at is how many times did I get to draw my bow on a deer um, this season, right? And so um, it, was, it was nice to be in that position. Um, but unfortunately it didn't work out. However, my friend Tony did shoot a buck. He got a nice little eight point and, um, you know, I was super happy for him, super happy for his family, having some venison for the year now. And, um, uh, it was just, you know, it was a great thing. And, uh, so after he tagged his buck, um, uh, I moved, uh, stands and, uh, I went and, so originally I was going to be hunting a stand that was pretty close to where he was hunting. Like that was our plan for the day. And like an idiot, I didn't mark that stand location on Spartan Forge. I didn't save a waypoint for some reason. I never understand why I do these things, people. 
<clears throat> but I had a good enough idea where it was, and it's actually my brother Jake, who you guys uh, uh, have heard on the podcast many times before. It's actually his tree stand. Um, I let Tony use um, a tree stand that Jake and I put up last year. Um, that was really my my stand, but I let I let Tony use it, and I was going to go use Jake's. And so I hike in in the pitch black into this this forest, and by some miracle, I find the thing in the dark. And when I get up to it, things are just looking kind of weird. It's like, man, what is going on with this stand? It just does not look right. And I was like, did somebody like sabotage the stand or something? What is going on here? And then I realized a tree had fallen on Jake's tree stand. It fell like right on the seat and right on the right on the platform and just smashed him. So <laughs> I had to go to plan B and hunt this other spot, which I ended up, that's where I ended up getting a shot. So it wasn't, you know, all terrible, but definitely had me out of the game as much as I had planned to be in it. And so um, after Tony got his buck, though, he let me use uh, the stand that, or uh, my stand, and um, uh, I did not get a shot there, but I did have some great deer activity going on. There was some nice three and a half year old bucks chasing around this hot doe <clears throat> they're running through the river bottom which was really cool to see and um uh just uh, you know it was basically that i i watched that for basically an hour and a half and i got out of the stand a f uh, like 15 minutes before um shooting light ended because i was going to try and hunt one of those bucks as he kept entering the river bottom on our side of the property line, I was I was gonna try and get down in the on on the river bank and uh, get an arrow in him. But uh, I, I tried too late in the game, and he wasn't really he never came back over onto our side, and uh, never never into bow range even. So um, it was it was uh, kind of a disappointing end to that i planned so that was monday so we hunted sunday night all day monday did an all-day sit and then um we were gonna hunt until noon on tuesday well i was tony was gonna kind of just chill i think back in the truck or something and um i was going to uh, hunt till noon go back to that stand there was another hot doe that came running through just after dark when we were leaving the timber and so it just seemed like it was going to be a really good spot well unfortunately because the rut has been so hot i had been and it's a, a lot of hiking on this farm i had been sweating a ton and i knew i was you know pretty sweaty but you know when you're using good hunting gear that stuff dries really quickly and kind of forget about it <clears throat> well i had been getting super dehydrated and um i should have seen it coming because uh in the middle of the night Monday night going into Tuesday, I wake up with a terrible hamstring cramp. Like you can just feel the thing knotted up, you know? And I thought to myself while I was suffering through that, eh, you're really dehydrated, can't you? Better go drink some water, which is true. And that was good. But I also needed, you know, those electrolytes that all the Gatorade commercials have talked about for decades, right? And uh, I should have then gone down to the hotel vending machine and bought myself a bottle of Gatorade, but I just stuck to drinking tap water from the hotel bathroom. 
Well, we get up, we we get our stuff all ready to go, get it all packed up. I get um, my hunting gear while my base layer is on, and then I always change into my outer layers when I get to the farm uh, for scent control reasons. But I get all ready to go, and my stomach does a backflip. And um, it's one of those things where um, you would better have a heavy roll of toilet paper, um, and you better have it right now. And um, I was I was sick, like really sick. And I started to feel like um, that it was going to be a uh, uh, not just a uh, South Pole sickness, but a North Pole sickness as well. So I started feeling like I was going to barf. And um, I told Tony, I was like, man, there's no way right now I can hike to that and go hunt i couldn't i wouldn't have the strength to drag a deer out if i shot one um i'm just like super sick i think we need to just drive home and so i missed this prime i mean it killed me it killed me to not be hunting and um but i knew that you know if i was getting that 24 hour gi virus or something i could be having a whole lot of throwing up and and other things for the next 24 hours and I did not want to be stuck in a hotel doing that and so <clears throat> we drove home and uh, I pounded a Gatorade uh, I got a Gatorade then from the hotel vending machine and then I got one uh, we stopped on the way kind of not in the middle but you know like an hour into our trip or so we stopped and I bought another Gatorade and started in some bananas and started to feel better. And then when I got home, I uh, took a, a good nap and I was feeling probably about 85% better. And um, <clears throat> so I decided to go out here on the home farm that Tuesday night and hunt. And originally I had planned, hey, I'm just going to charge into the thickest part of the cover that I have not yet hunted I've only hunted around the edges of it. And it's like, man, I need to try and make something happen. But then I'm like, you know, I want to do some rattling and some calling. I think I'm just going to go to my my old tree stand in the general vicinity of that. And so that's what I did. And I slammed antlers together, I don't know, maybe two or three different times over a course of like two hours. And <clears throat> there was just nothing. I mean, nothing, nothing. You just got the feeling that, yeah, I am totally out of it right now. I'm out of the game. And so what I did was I climbed down. I was like, you know what? Well, before that, I was like, well, conventional wisdom would say, just keep waiting it out. You know, persistence pays off, that kind of thing. But I was like, yeah, but I'm not learning anything if I don't see anything. By just sitting here, I'm not learning anything new. So if I get down and do a little scouting, I'm going to at least come away with some good, um, you know, intel on what deer are doing on our farm. And so I got down, did a little scouting around, and uh, sure enough, as I approach our uh, neighbor's fence line to the south, I see a field with four does and one nice buck. So I instantly, you know, go from just like scouting, like, okay, this might be a good spot to put up a tree stand next year to, okay, we're hunting. We got to make this happen. So I went and found a spot that I thought was pretty good. And looking back, it was probably the second best spot. 
I should have gotten into a little bit thicker cover and maybe it would have worked out. <clears throat> but anyways, it wasn't a terrible spot. And I sat down and I just started rattling. Well, that buck had been wandered out to, I don't know, four or 500 yards away. And when he heard that rattling, he came in and he came in pretty quick. And I'm like, all right, man, this is, this is just, uh, um, you know, textbook perfect here. And, uh, the problem was he, um, uh, like I said, was on the neighboring side of the fence. So I had no shot until he crossed onto our side of the fence. And even then he would have had to cross into a good shooting lane, which I thought he would if he did cross the fence. Um, but, uh, he never did. And, um, so he, I think what happened was he heard the rattling and the grunt call and he's like, okay, there's deer there. I can hear them, their antlers come together and I can hear the, the grunt call. But then when he got from like 400 yards down, he, he came all the way into like 40 yards and, um, he's like, okay, I hear all this deer noise, but I see no deer. And so he like wouldn't fully commit. And then he started working in a direction where he was going to be behind me and he was probably going to see me. So I had to carefully like stand up and kind of move around this tree to keep the tree in between me and him. And when I did that, he saw my arrow on my rest, uh, kind of, um, bounce around when I was moving and that caused him to spook. So that, that was uh, kind of the end of my rut trip days of hunting um some really exciting moments but also uh still no uh, notch tag so um definitely uh got some hopes yet for the season but uh that's that's where i got to that point i did end up um hunt going in to hunt some of our rental ground um at work before work started uh in the morning and my boss was nice enough on Friday to be like, hey, he basically like told me to go out and, and go deer hunting. And uh, I saw like four deer, but it's kind of one of those bad timings where they were there when, right when I pulled up. And um, I don't know if I spooked them or not, but they definitely didn't come around and give me a shot. So I've been doing a lot of rattling and calling and stuff like that. Um I, I think it still works right now. It's probably not as good as it would have, you know, a few weeks ago, but it, it does, it does, um, <clears throat> um, you know, bring some bucks in. I've, I've seen that and, uh, it gives you hope too, you know, <laughs> like sometimes you just need hope. If the rut's not happening on your property, you can try and do some things to maybe bring it to your property. And that's rattling is, is one of those things. So, <clears throat> Um, I've, I've been doing some of that and, um, I've also been, uh, driving back roads on my way home. I just think that is such a valuable thing to do this time of year. That's how you can identify where the deer are at, what kind of habitat are they liking this time of year? And are there any big bucks in the area? And I have seen some absolute giants while I've been out doing that. And I plan to go knock on the door to get access to, um, to try and hunt there maybe it won't be until late muzzy or something maybe they'll tell me outright no i'm not sure or maybe i'll just get shed hunting permission but i'm excited to try and get after a big iowa buck and uh you know 
that's what that's that's what it's all about is having fun in new ways and enjoying the hunt and the process and and all that so i want to thank you for listening in to uh this hunt update uh please remember this podcast is presented by spartan forge spartan forge is the best in hunt mapping technology if you don't have it, you're missing out. You need it. You need to get it right now, and it'll improve your hunting experience. It, it really will. So you can go to the link in the show notes or the link in my Instagram bio. Click on the link for Spartan Forge, and uh, you can subscribe um, however you want there as far as either yearly or monthly. You have different rates for both of those, obviously. Um, I strongly recommend just doing the yearly or annual membership um you won't regret it i use it pretty much every single day and uh it's just such a valuable valuable tool to me so go check out spartan forge and get on board there um and uh, then also alex from east west hunts we all have dream hunts in mind it's getting those dreams to become reality. Alex helps do that. He plans hunts all the way from the tag application process to the renting the gear and getting you on the, uh, getting you out in the, you know, good habitat and hunting. So uh, you need to talk with Alex first, get your free consultation, and he'll tell you what of his services line up best with what you're looking for. And, um, uh, you'll be able to, um, get, you know, making that dream come true. So talk to Alex, go to eastwesthunts.com, request the free consultation and tell him that you heard about him on the first gen hunter podcast. That would be great because you'll save 10% if you do. So, uh, definitely, uh, check out Alex. And then finally, um, old barn taxidermy, you get, you get a successful hunt planned, you go out there, use your Spartan Forge to map out where you think your best opportunities are to, to look for an animal, and you finally get one. You you, uh, you harvest an animal, notch a tag, and um, uh, now you're going to want to memorialize that with good taxidermy work. You definitely are going to want to go to Old Barn Taxidermy. They are the very best in the business. And uh, they will treat you well. They have tons of experience. They do over 500 shoulder mounts a year, which is just crazy to think about. And um, they, they're all works of art. They got to be perfect before Sam lets them leave his shop. And uh, uh, I, I just really strongly believe that if, you know, you're going to go through the uh, process of getting taxidermy work done, don't cut corners. Get it done the right way. Go to Old Barn taxidermy and you'll be so glad that you did well thank you so much everyone uh for all that you do oh and and if you do go to old barn be sure to tell them that this podcast sent you there there's been some listeners already doing that that's huge that really helps me out and so uh please do the same if you go there <clears throat> but thank you so much for tuning into this one um until next time everyone keep your hopes up keep hunting there's still a lot of good hunting to be done yet and uh yeah until next time take care and take someone hunting.